Welcome to the Ether. Today is Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. Today on the Ether, cross-chain data with Pith and Injective. Pithjective. Let's take a listen. Thanks for everybody for, for tuning in here. Um, again, this session is recorded, so many of our community members on both the Injective and Pith side will be able to come back and listen to this on a whole host of different venues. Uh, but to kick things off, uh, you know, this is an injective space. Um, we're super lucky to have Eric, Mark, and Ray from the PITH team. Um, and kind of, you know, with that, we're super excited to, to talk about cross-chain data with PITH. So, um, you know, maybe, you know, outside of that, other context could be that PITH has launched the bug bounty program at the injective hackathon. Um, and we're super excited to have both Mark and Ray to, to speak a little bit about that, as well as chat with Eric a bit about kind of what Pith coming to the cosmos and more specifically injective means. So maybe with that to kick things off, um, Eric, if you want to start uh, on the intros um, for for many of, you know, for anyone who doesn't know you, and then we could kind of hand it over to, to Mark and Ray from there. Hey, guys, uh, this is Eric, co-founder and CEO of uh, Injective Labs. Uh, so we're core contributors to uh, Injective, which is a interoperable, performant, and uh, DeFi-focused uh, blockchain. Um, really glad to kind of uh, talk about the cross-chain uh, data. And uh, there's actually a really interesting uh, dedicated you know, Oracle module that's built in within the uh, native Injective blockchain uh, that allows for any type of uh, Oracle solutions, whether it be centralized or decentralized like PIF, uh, to integrate and share by all the developers uh, on top of the injective ecosystem. Awesome stuff. Well, Mark, I uh, would love to hear interest from, from you guys as well. Of course. So I'm Mark. Um, I work for the Peace Data Association. It's a Swiss association behind the PIF network, uh, which refers to the, let's say, Oracle program and the Oracle network. And like at its core, PIF is very much like a, a financial uh, data oracle so very much our, our idea and goals to empower DeFi builders to build the future of finance on chain um and very much um like we've been live for now close to two years we initially kick-started on solana just mostly as a kind of a, as a proof of concept where we could showcase that this could be done on chain and um like the past year, we've really focused on our cross-chain expansion. We did some very big, let's say, uh, program updates, uh, developments, and now we're available on 20 chains. And the last one uh, to get integrated was uh, the one and only Injective, um, which took some time because uh, it's, our, it's actually our first Cosmo, uh, the first entry of PIF on Cosmos. So it always needs a bit more work to make that uh working but 
pretty much is very exciting to uh, get into the injected world at the same time as you launch your global hackathon because uh, it's very much how you pretty much kickstart like whether it's be tooling, new applications, ideas and stuff. So it was a very timely, um, very timely uh, entry into the into the Cosmos world and the, and the ninjas community. Nice, love it. And and Ray, maybe a bit from you. Hey guys, uh, this is Ray. Um, I'm contribu- a contributor to the Pith Network. And um, yeah, uh, like Mark already touched upon, Pith is a, a first party data network. Um, we, about maybe like six months ago, um, or like seven months ago, we still like started on Solana, um, took over that ecosystem pretty quickly, but we're still like on Solana. And then we started going cross chain. Uh, but in the past, uh, past half a year, we were, we were able to move pretty fast and now on 20 blockchains. And um, it has a pretty unique architecture that really enables us to deploy uh, fairly smoothly and easily and quickly on um, pretty much any any um, ecosystem. But we're pretty deliberate on which ones that we want to deploy. And we, we do want to make sure that w- when we get involved, um, we become as native as possible and as involved as possible, um, as opposed to just making an announcement and move on. So we actually got a lot of requests from different um, Cosmos ecosystem, but We've been excited about uh, Injective for a very long time and super glad to have Injective as our first Cosmos uh, where Pith goes live. Nice. And, and we couldn't agree anymore. Um, so with that, kind of, you know, to jump in here, we're, we're really all here to discuss the recent passing of Proposal 219, um, which called for the Pith Oracle mainnet data deployment. Um, so you know, maybe we could start with asking this to, to kind of Eric, but then kick it over to, to Mark and Ray as well. Did you guys give an overview of what the proposed and, and stated, um, you know, of passing this proposal for our community means and, and what, you know, many of our community could see now in the future? I think quite simply put is that um, all the PIF data is now available for, you know, all the applications uh, and all the primitives on top of Injective. So, you know, PIF has one of the most, uh, you know, robust, uh, one of the most uh, um, kind of like institution ready and one of the most, uh, you know, uh, high quality, high fidelity uh, Oracle data out there. And now, you know, it's going to really shake up um, uh, the game for derivative markets. It's very, from, from PIF's perspective, it's uh, very cool because um, up to now, like deploying on, on, on other chains, like not all blockchains work differently. So overall, like most EVMs are like overall permission, like completely permissionless. So you could just deploy or even like anyone could actually deploy a peace contract somewhere. Um, and yeah, entering the, the Cosmos world, like it's very cool to see um, like how it works, like getting a chain powered by PEF through governance. So this was very cool. And I, I actually don't know if all governance proposal end up with the same results. But I, like, if I recall correctly, it was like a 98% yes, uh, which kind of speak words into the community support, which is amazing. Um, and the all the great thing to see with that, uh, let's say, uh, governance process is that, like, let's say this work was done once and throughout time, it won't require additional work to keep on delivering a better 
and more complete product to inject it. And what I mean by that is like, let's say this week, we're going to launch maybe a paper price feed. Like this will automatically become directly on injective without any other action. So that's pretty cool to have like overall very much like the community, the like impacted stakeholder take over and just ship that. So that, that's been very cool to, to see. And I just hope that all subsequent governance proposals going to be uh, that like one way street. Totally. And, and, and just going off that, uh, you are correct. 98% of the community voted yes uh, for, for proposal 219, which is awesome to see. Um, and now diving a, a bit deeper, uh, you know, Pith is obviously a, a high fidelity data oracle, which plays a very critical role in any DeFi ecosystem. But could you guys, you know, specifically, you know, Ray and Mark provide how to some of our listeners, maybe they're users of some of the products built on top of the injective blockchain, um, you know, how Pith differentiates itself from other Oracle price feeds and, and why it's so important? Yeah, of course. Um, so I'll highlight, I think, three points. We could even add more if we want to, but let's try to stay con- uh, concise at first. So first thing is Ray alluded to it earlier on, is first-party data. Um, so PIF pretty much is built, like the whole idea behind PIF is uh, to get like data creators, data owners to contribute their data to the network. And with this comes some great benefits. First, accountability or responsibility. Like when Binance provide data to the PIF network, they create a specific stream to funnel that data to our own app chain where aggregation happens. Um, they're not just like repointing their public API to some places. Um, so having like the data publishers, like they know why and for what the data is used overall. So they have like, it's not like, let's say if a CoinGecko or CoinMarketCap API goes bust for 10 minutes, Okay, you may be a billionaire for 10 minutes on the UI of CoinMarketCap, but down the line, like they overall don't care or they don't have such an impact if they end up having wrong data for even a minute. So this kind of first party publisher is very good for accountability responsibility. The second great part of first party data is that like financial data, especially if you go out of the crypto world, it's not easy to come by. Um, like if you want Apple stock price live, you'll, you'll have to get a Bloomberg terminal. Uh, if you want to trade on it, you'll have to like get like pay and get access to US exchanges. So it's very not easy to come by this data. Or if you come by it, it's going to be insanely expensive. And this first party design where like we have onboarded US exchanges, like SIBO, the number two in the world of exchanges, and like traditional market makers or traders, like say Jump Crypto, Winter, uh, Wintermute, not Wintermute, uh, Jane Street, and like Virtue, all the big names. This cohort of publishers have access and have the right to distribute their own data. And thanks to this, I think PIF is the only oracle where in its basic offering, you have U.S. stocks price feeds. Um, so you could go right now on Pace.network, see like we have about 50 U.S. stocks price feeds, uh, 10 to 15 ETFs. Some are coming soon. 
and other things coming soon are U.S. treasuries. Uh, and this very much in the design of having traders, exchanges, contributing data and not a third party relay it actually gets you access to many more data. Um, the second thing is how it's built, how PIF is built and how applications integrate it. So overall, PIF, you, like all aggregations happen, let's say, publicly. It's publicly, publicly available, verifiable on our app chain. Um, and overall, like no one can interact on, on with this option if you're not a publisher. And the idea of this is to just like ensure and provide people a way to just verify that everything works uh, as it should. And this model is actually like how we've come up six months ago with the on-demand or pool Oracle model. So traditionally, Oracles, they will push at a set um, frequency or parameters. It could be price deviation or time threshold, um, price updates on chain. And this is very much for like cost concern because if you could, if you wanted, update the ethereum price on uh, ethereum layer one but currently it would cost you maybe a million <laughs> uh us dollar uh, of gas per day or something um with the on-demand model pretty much the pith oracle doesn't leave or doesn't follow these rules um on the other hand it empowers let's say users or actually anyone to fetch prices of piece prices of, at an off-chain endpoint and send it on chain whenever they want. And so this for all price feeds we support. So this on-demand model is, um, as, and we've had like great success uh, the past six months around like many applications on many chains integrating. And all these applications really love the on-demand model because um, you can get the, freshest data available. If you want the price up right now, you can get it right now. With push Oracle, so the most of the other Oracles, pretty much you'd have to wait and you couldn't kind of trigger request whenever you want. So, um, and at the end of the day, with a push Oracle, most of the time you rely on some kind of centralized entity to push those prices on chain. Here, it's very much anyone can do it. A liquidator, a user, an application can do price updates. Um, and the one last thing, which is kind of linked to this on-demand model, um, is like integrating and using PIT is permissionless. Uh, like the because um, applications have, let's say, bear the cost of bringing those prices on chain. Like we don't need let's say, to have some kind of off-chain legal agreement. We do this, we get this amount as, let's say, revenue or gas grant, whatever. Um, like very much integrating with PIF is fully permissionless. Um, and like, that's the overall, anyway, why we're in DeFi. Like, <laughs> I, I don't often enjoy uh, engaging with like legal contracts and stuff. So having this on-demand model also enables you to kind of stay true to DeFi and have like a fully permissionless model. Like, I'm not sure we know all the apps that use PIF and which is pretty cool, I feel. Totally, totally. That was very comprehensive and awesome stuff um, all the way around. And <clears throat> with all that, I'd love to kick it over to Eric and why from your perspective, integrating PIF is so impactful for Injective. Um, what does this mean for kind of the developer community 
uh, within Injective and also kind of the users who are, are using all these dApps that will now be powered by these, this price circle. Yeah, I think one of the most uh, important aspects of this is that um, basically, uh, you know, with all the infrastructure uh, uh, that's within PIF, it actually allows for, you know, the support of a lot of like very useful features. So one of the, you know, coolest feature that we notice uh, during the integration is uh, assigning confidence intervals and, you know, establishing price ranges um, to create, you know, upper and lower bounds within a certain like uh, uh, interval. And this allows for, you know, more kind of like a friendlier, like a liquidation environment and, you know, a lot more broader like applications for uh, these type of like uh, 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 price fees. And this is like super useful for, you know, all the applications because first of all, you know, having, you know, uh, this additional kind of uh, uh, data point allows for a much more, you know, fair market uh, and a much more, you know, gracious uh, liquidation environments uh, and overall much more efficient markets. And on top of that, you know, um, uh, like I mentioned before, like all the PIS price feed is uh, immediately accessible, um, you know, uh, fully on chain. So this kind of uh, allows for just in general, um, you know, immediately uh, accessibility uh, and permissionless access towards the entire data set of uh, PIF uh, price fees uh, and, you know, the, uh, the high fidelity uh, uh, Oracle that comes with it. And this, uh, uh, this basically is, uh, you know, much better than a lot of the existing Oracle solutions on top of Injective. Awesome. Awesome. So now we've really touched on why kind of I think Pith is is really a superior or, you know, a, a great product um, without without jumping into conclusions there. And now I want to understand, and I think, Mark, you touched on a bit of this. What type of, of data is available on and through Pith? Um, what are the key challenges and limitations um, for providing, you know, real time data and, and accurate tamper proof prices for all of these different types of assets that could be supported moving forward. Um, would love to understand, even in this meme coin mania, when we could potentially see support for stuff like Pepe, but, but, but also really want to um, understand more specifically kind of the, the real world assets that you also mentioned. Very interesting. So overall, yeah, we have, and that's pretty much the general view for PIF, to cover any type of assets that is going to be of interest for DeFi apps. So for the past, let's say, uh, seven years, six years, it was very much just crypto on the blockchain. And in the past six months, like, I don't think we've seen like that many amount of real world assets linked projects. Uh, and like, Actually, most of the like uh, TVR growth recently was around like like tokenized U.S. treasuries uh, or stuff like this, and it's very interesting. Long term, it definitely makes sense that like anyway, tradfi assets are going to find more and more their ways on chain. So, and all types of this, it could then be um, I don't know various other bonds, etc. So on there, like we we are very open and working hard to like support all use cases. Um, so specifically, like we have, I'd say, yeah, the top 50 US stock right now. Uh, we'll keep on gradually increasing those. Um, likely on the equities front, the biggest things that will come at some point will be more international uh, equities. Um, but straight to the, like, yeah, more tra traditional assets, um, the things that are coming the, uh, the soonest are 
12 more ETFs. Today we have four ETFs live, SPY, QQQ, SHV, and Mint. Um, we have 10 more to come. Um, and same for US yield. After the ETFs, we'll have like about, I don't know, six or eight different US yield. And like very much wherever we see demand, we'll do like, we'll go uh, this way. And ideally we can even kind of be ahead of the, of the demand and, and be ready because like kind of linked to a question, how do we source that? Like, how can we ensure that the piece price feed remain accurate, um, like free of manipulation or potential issues? So this, like, it's really about, let's say, prior to releasing a price feed into production, like usually it can take us up to, let's say, two weeks, if not maybe one month to, to support a price feed. But like, because we want at least, uh, let's say, seven publishers active with certain threshold. Uh, in our blog, uh, on the website, we have like a full, um, like reliability, how we do reliability at PEF. But overall, like it's the classic uh, six nines or eight, no, or the nine nines of engineering, um, where you want like the price feed to be yeah, as robust as possible and as available as possible. Um, so overall, each feed will have at least seven publishers when it goes live. And overall, you need, the as long as the majority of the publishers are honest, everything's gonna be fine. Uh, this is thanks to our aggregation uh, methodology, but overall, like we very much like focus and uh, on having like from day one, um, reliable price feeds. Later on, and this will change in the future, like this today, um, like the PIF network from its initial white paper, let's say we've delivered on overall, I think like two thousand. 25% or I don't know, how, like all the price feeds already, but there is the, let's say, um, in, embedded financial uh, security, let's say, within the network. And uh, what I mean by that is um, later on, the idea is to have publishers staking so that they have, let's say, a financial risk of giving you bad data. And this could be, let's say, uh, used as uh, some kind of insurance mechanism where by if a publisher is wrong, the price feed's wrong, uh, we, you slash them and you pay back those to the impacted protocol. And with this, it kind of creates like a hedging market for Oracle failures. Um, so overall, like today, um, we're still, the Pizza Association still manages it. Uh, so we are very thorough on uh, all the pre-release uh, data and longer term is going to be like, even more uh, comprehensive with like actual uh, financial uh, asset at risk. Let me also add um, just, you know, at, at a higher level, um, why this is super valuable and perhaps not only in the sense where it pertains to, to Web3, but also just um, in a data vertical at large, right? It, I think it's incredibly hard to get these trading firms and exchanges, which largely operate in a very zero-sum game, at least like a pseudo-zero-sum game, um, to, to get these players and come together and contribute to the same platform and to build that data feed uh, for everybody to consume. 
Um, if you look at the TradFi world, it is very expensive to get a Bloomberg terminal, right? But even when you get the Bloomberg terminal, I think you got to pay more to, to get the most up-to-date fees um, and you have a data limit. And, um, and it's just, um, uh, it's a very high um, kind of a barrier to entry um, type of space. Whereas in, in Pith's end, um, you have all these data publishers that come in together. And that's exactly, that's like the biggest thing that enables um, how we're able to list a lot of real world asset, a lot of, um, um, you know, the ETFs, US equities, uh, and the treasuries that, uh, that Mark talked about. And the price that we provide is actually incredibly efficient um, because for any publisher to publish that feed, um, if it's a trading firm, then it's likely trading it, quoting it. If it's an exchange, then it's will, it will be whatever that's on their book. So you're, you're really getting a price that's cross-market and cross-market makers um, at a sub-second frequency. So I don't think um, anybody could, could get a better price, a more liquid price, quote-unquote, um, than from Pith um, anywhere else. And I don't just mean the crypto industry. I don't think you could really get that from Bloomberg uh, for the same quality at the same price. Um, obviously not at Yahoo Finance. Um, and this is not taking a shot at like Web 2 versus Web 3. Um, but it's just kind of cool to think about how um, in crypto we can build this kind of a permissionless environment where um, the most proprietary firms come in and collaborate on top of each other. Totally, totally awesome. An awesome context additionally there, Ray. Um, kind of to jump onto that and and kind of, you know, I would love to hear perspectively and kind of just to counter kind of your your answer just now, what types of use cases are you super excited about both now, like specifically with making price feeds possible with like real world assets, for example, as well as like, you know, five, three, three, five years from today, obviously, you know, this space moves, uh, you know, in, in dog years super, super quickly. Um, would love to understand your thoughts on, you know, the best use cases for these types of real world assets, price feeds today, as well as, you know, potentially in the future and how that permissionless nature um, and that Web 3 versus Web 2 difference is, is, is so beneficial. Maybe the first thing that we like, why having more traditional assets uh, on chain is great is like as we've seen like as let's say crypto been going down for the past 18 months let's say m most or some uh, traditional assets went up so just enabling people to not leave like whatever blockchain you're on is i think something to strive for um like I think you had well, many guys like tweeting, like or explaining that they pretty much off ramp just to UST bills and just wait for the full year. So I think it would be, it's amazing. And it's, we should strive to, yeah, like give reason to, uh, for people and their money to stay as much as possible on chain. Cause long-term, like at least personally, I'm very, um, like most finance should happen on chain. Like you, we've seen in the past years, quite some um, like crazy things happening, uh, whether at banks, with governments and stuff. So this, like being able to also showcase that blockchain is not just, let's say, pay, pay speculation or whatever, uh, unknown coin just pumps 10,000% in one day. 
very much like, yeah, provide a, a use case and an example where a 60 year old, like TradFi trailer could be like, okay, this makes sense. Nice, nice, awesome stuff. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and now kind of jumping more down the route of kind of pith price feeds, um, a specific kind of vulnerability and attack vector we have seen in the past, um, you know, has been on specifically the DEX or the quote unquote hack side has been on really the price feed side. So I would want to understand how you guys have thought about uh, susceptibility to different types of attacks within the PITH network and, and what your type of, you know, risk of manipulation um, or, you know, flash loan attacks have been. Um, and I know you just touched on kind of the, the model once there's potentially a staking mechanism for PITH in the future um, and that slashing, but also at large kind of, you know, all the different types of Oracle attacks that exist um, how you guys think about, you know, creating the most healthy environment surrounding those things. So one thing that we um, did release, well, and it's a tough, not touchy, but it's a, a, a subject that it's always great to to trade on as, as if you're on CNICE. We released, I think, again, if you go on our blog, um, there's a blog called Liquidity Oracle, where like we cover a few of those attacks and present one of the new products we uh, released kind of coming not directly related to this event but somehow it helps uh but overall like first like it's always like the question is it an oracle error or is it market manipulation most of the time you you historically you had both sometimes it's just oracle bug or like malicious provider or sometimes it's just publishers reporting what they see, but what they see is being manipulated. So I think like the, you had one Ave example and the Mango attack where pretty much like uh, those assets involved in these attacks were like very thin, had very thin liquidity and were traded maybe on like two AMMs. Um, and so the ability to just pump the price 10x over those two markets, over those two venues, which arguably represent the whole market of said tokens. Like arguably the price was 10x more than five minutes ago. It you know after the fact that it's a, like it's an attack, but arguably like you don't want to have like um the oracle acting uh like with discretion on oh yeah, I don't think this is the fair price. Like arguably I could have sold my mango token at 50 cents while 10 minutes ago it was trading at five cents. So here I think the, it's more like, it's also where you can uh, further integrate PIF in your app to avoid this. So today we support, so we have live prices and one hour EMEA prices. Um, we're gonna release within a month or two a way where you can create pretty much the um, the TWAP you want, like whatever uh, duration. And overall with this, you could pretty much compare and have a peace life price versus the one hour EMA. If there is, I don't know, 2X difference or 50% difference, keep using the EMA as it's always more, um, 
safer it can it can introduce some risks but like on this end it's very important to also understand it comes like from market manipulation um and um more for overall if you go on let's say uh more mainstream tokens that have i don't know 10 centralized exchanges or 10 different dexes or a blend of two here like it's going to be way 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 more costly to actually manipulate the market um and overall like the piece design and the piece data publisher cohort was um like gathered till today where it's a like a great blend of various market actors centralized exchange provide their book so pretty much a centralized exchange is going to provide to the network its mid price uh while traders and we have like all 10 biggest exchanges pretty much uh contributing data to PIF. uh so overall this always gives you kind of the blend of the market and on top of it you do have what we can call like uh, market makers or traders that will trade on these 10 exchanges so they will manage and uh, they'll be able to create some kind of synthetic price out of 10 different exchanges they trade on and with this like you manage to get some kind of true price so that's uh overall how we think uh, about it and for one practical example it's the STEs usd price feed it's listed on a few exchanges gemini gate uh, and a few other but 98 percent or at least more than 90 percent of the volume happened on curve so overall like you can indeed sometime if there is an arbitrage on gate or anywhere else you could sell maybe at an inflated or deflated price but overall like we all agree that the best reference will be curve so on this it's very much like after it's embedded into the data publishers job they trade where there's the most volume and they know that the true price is where usually there's the most volume um so on this like usually it takes more time and we after we do thorough like review uh just for example comparing a piece aggregate of ste versus the curve one things like this nice nice i think that makes a ton of sense cool stuff and then eric kind of to, to bounce it over to you as a team that contributes to a decentralized exchange in, in this case helix can you also provide some context or information to our listeners on like how to avoid the risks? Um, and now, you know, to provide more context, right? There's the staked pool-based, uh, you know, DEXs nowadays, similar to the GMXs of the world, um, and as well as kind of the central limit order books, uh, such as Helix and and the injective central limit order book that has both uh, perps as well as spot markets. Can you kind of talk specifically to how being powered by Pith, um, you know, provides such a, a different user experience um, and, and, and all the differences amongst those, those products previously listed? Yeah, I think one of the great, uh, greatest pitfalls within the general user base is uh, kind of like this uh, pursuit for leverage. And they, you know, engage with a platform because of the promises of extremely high leverage, let's say 50 to 100x, uh, while ignoring, you know, kind of like the underlying pitfalls. Um, so one of the best or, and the safest way to kind of avoid a lot of these issues is to, you know, avoid uh, high leverage. Um, like, you know, the, the famous person once said, there's three things to avoid, ladies, liquors, and leverage. Um, and then on top of that, you know, like um, 
without a high fidelity uh, price feed that informs um, the on-chain protocol on you know the uh, overall market environment and market dynamics for a specific pair, <clears throat> it's going to have to take extremely conservative approaches when it comes to you know liquidation, uh, margin management, etc. And you know that that's going to create a lot of uh, degradation user experience and you know a lot of times also um, kind of like unfair liquidations. Um, and uh, you know, overly tight uh, um, kind of like the uh, uh, liquidity assumptions, and you know, obviously, have uh, greatly mitigates this with uh, uh, simply providing a high fidelity price feed that you know no one else can uh, provide, and basically, you know, enabling higher leverage with more um, friendlier kind of liquidation environments. And maybe even like uh, having dynamic uh, margin requirements uh, as the uh, as the pair kind of uh, evolves um, over time. Nice, nice, awesome stuff. So, so now to to hop to a different segment, we're super excited about the release of Pith's INJ USD price feed. Um, can we talk about you know what the the impact of this will be within the injective ecosystem, and then also more broadly, you know how this expands. Um, you know the opportunity to for for more folks to reach and understand INJ as as an asset, a native asset within the injective ecosystem itself. Kind of posing that to to everybody here. Um, you know, maybe collectively we can speak together. Yeah, one thing I will point out is that um, um, sort of alluding to everything that we talked to, uh, the, the moment that PES listed uh, a price feed, it is. Alive everywhere else. Um, what that means is that the ING price feed um, is live um, on um, not just on like injective, but really anywhere. Um, so I think that's like uniquely very exciting. Um, that really differentiates us from the other Oracle solutions where they heavily rely on incentivizing like DevOps off chain. So when they need to go to a new ecosystem, they have to really try to go through the off cycle and, and bring one feed up at a time. Whereas in our case, it's just extremely clear. Everything is coming from the same source of truth. Um, so I think that's pretty cool. If you think about um, um, like a cross-chain, whether you're in the cross-chain or multi-chain camp, um, it's a fairly exciting thing to think about where um, have such a high fidelity and high frequency data is shared um, by the entire Web3 ecosystem. Nice. Nice. Awesome. So now, now, now to jump to more... Um, of a, a different question as well. One of the unique features of Injective is that it is highly interoperable and connects with multiple blockchains, um, allowing for communication and asset data transfer and, and these cross-chain functionalities. Um, you know, and as they continue to gain relevance and we see you know, more and more, even the, the title of this AMA is cross-chain data, uh, what are the most significant technical challenges these networks face as it relates to this data latency? Um, and again, you know, I, I, to, to reiterate, we talk so much about centralized alternatives when entering, you know, these block times and these block spaces, Eric would love to speak, you know, and, and hear your thoughts on how this cross-chain interoperability will work and how specific to latency, um, you know, Pith provides a great opportunity, but more so the, the opportunity just needs a good solution overall. Yeah, I think obviously, you know, uh, ha having uh, real time uh, or, or low latency, you know, uh, Oracle price feed is probably the most important uh, aspect for an Oracle um, because, 
you know, you, you want to ensure that the perpetual market uh, is always, or, or any type of uh, lending market or any type of credit market is, uh, you know, trailing uh, or, or following the kind of like the global, you know, uh, supply demand of the market, right? And I would say that, you know, there are mitigation strategies uh, to um, basically, you know, reconcile with uh, the potential latency issues, but none of them are, you know, uh, uh, none of them, you know, don't, uh, comes without cost. So having, you know, uh, as low of a latency uh, environment for uh, Oracle price feed um, is going to be, you know, like the most important uh, or like the uh, catch-all solution for um, any type of uh, potential uh, kind of inaccuracies or uh, uh, fairness issues with uh, Oracle price feeds. Awesome stuff. Um, and now kind of jumping back over to the Pith side of things. Of course, one of the most exciting things, you know, is this new Pith integration on top of Injective is this real-time market data for 200 plus markets, um, spanning not only crypto. And, you know, I think that you really dropped some great alpha. I'm super excited about potentially treasury bills on chain and those types of, of pricing mechanisms and even the derivatives that, that, that come to those things um, and Forex commodities, you name it. What are the challenges that you're seeing um, from, you know, I know you noted you know, the, the legal side of things before, but what challenges do you guys face most, uh, you know, avidly when, when bringing this market data into the decentralized world? Mm. <laughs> Oh, well, you guys are just too good. No, yeah, I'm trying to. I think, I think, ahead, yeah, sorry, go ahead, Mark. I'm thinking, go ahead. Go ahead. I, yeah, I think one of the challenges is really um, um, to explain to people, actually, that the education part is probably the hardest. Um, I think a lot of times people have this, um, some some folks um, would have like an adversarial uh, take on on you know, tr trading firms or exchanges being the the bad boys, the the sharks in the room. Um, so that side takes a little bit of education and also um, more specifically on uh, a lot of the, the, the sort of the already incumbent way of doing, um, doing um, operating an Oracle. Um, I think people are already pretty, pretty accustomed to a lot of the old ways of doing things and um, People don't like to see a lot of changes, especially in DeFi. Um, and it makes, uh, it, it resonates like to a degree to with us. Um, you don't want to, um, you don't want to change something that, that's, um, that's, that seems to be working, right? Uh, you don't want to um, change your Oracle. You don't want to, um, you know, move from uh, a push model to perhaps like a pull model, all of these things. Uh, it resonates a little bit with us. Um, but I think uh, one way to think about it and, this almost like maybe uh, I used to be a trader. So this is like the trader inside of me that's talking is that uh, by sticking with like the old model that seems to have always worked um, with no clear evidence that it will, will always work. It's almost like um, selling um, out of selling like a super um, um, like out of money put, right? Like you, you are basically saying like, um, I'm pretty complacent with where I am and um, I'm going to worry about things when they break. Well, um, everybody's a genius when, when things are going super well. Um, and a lot of the things that I think Pith does uh, behind the scenes, um, such as like the, all the things that Mark mentioned, uh, we want to see at least seven data publishers behind every single uh, symbol. Um, we want to make sure that the source is not um, circuitous, 
um, and we might be um, doing some additional liquidity requirement and reliability testing, all of these things, um, are, I think could be underappreciated. And at the end of the day, Oracle, is, Oracle business is not the sexiest uh, vertical because when things go right, um, nobody remembers you. Uh, when things go wrong, everybody will point fingers at you. Um, we, we think about it as a lot of the considerations are made not for today's environment. The way we think about it is, um, how can we make something that will stand battle tested? And frankly, I think the education part um, takes a little bit more effort. People would ask, okay, why do I need a high frequency data oracle? Why does it matter um, that my data feed is cross market makers, uh, cr cross markets? Um, what's the difference between updating every 15 seconds versus updating? Uh, versus having a feed that's like refreshing uh, under a second. Do we really need that um, in the blockchain space? And if 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 you pose that question to us, um, I guess um, if I'm any sort of maxi, if our team is any sort of maxi, it would be kind of a DeFi maxi uh, in the sense that we truly believe that this um, the DeFi thing is going to scale um, way bigger than where it is now. What that means is um, you do need to care about the quality of your data. You do need to care about the speed of your data. And sometimes you even want to care about the distributing uh, privileges uh, on the licensing, data licensing and everything, right? Which what that means is that you can't just keep scraping Yahoo Finance or or, or, or Google and trying to bring that on chain um, if we, we want to see this uh, industry to scale. So all of these considerations are, are pretty hard um, in this space um, because um, I think this, the cycle moves so quickly, the narrative changes so quickly, everybody only cares about um, what's going to happen in the next two weeks or a couple of months. And that's what makes this industry exciting. But uh, the fee that we're curating, I think um, the goal is to have it um, you know, longstanding uh, for years to come. Totally. I, I think I... Any other thoughts? Or I think, yeah, I found mine. Um, it's... And it's a great, like, even though the pit governance hasn't kicked out and everything, like, to date, and the past two years, pretty much, it's, like, we have 80 or more data publisher, and overall, they're the fuel of the PIS network and the price feeds. Without them contributing data, um, like, there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be PIS around. Um, and, like... And it's explaining the whole white paper, like how rewards and, and like the revenue revenue model happens. But it's been amazing. Like it's been both amazing to see like a, a, around 80 entities being committed for close to two years uh, to just like better path, make it successful. But at the same time, it's like lots of coordination, lots of work. Like, for example, last week, uh, Pepe went to the moon, like within like users want us to application want the peace network to have a price feed we'd love to have a price feed within 10 minutes but at the end of the day we don't have all the power and that's amazing it's very much having those first seven publishers go as fast as possible or 15 and whatever so this has been amazing but it's been also challenging <laughs> but, and anyway anything kind of anything decentralized take more work and more time so on this i think it must have been let's say not hard but like having 80 different enti entities partner to manage like it's it takes some work totally totally and i think that leads into 
kind of a, a great kind of um, opportunity here to kick the end off for the three of you guys to really speak freely about maybe some alpha you guys have and or more specifically how you're guys seeing the space in, in the future. Um, Mark, you just alluded to a, a Pepe price feed and how everybody would love to see it on chain, um, including myself. Um, you know, I would love to kind of kick this time over to you, maybe Eric, to start. Um, how do you imagine, you know, these real world assets coming on the chain? Um, what are you super excited in terms of seeing next on top of Injective, um, specifically powered by these Pith price feeds? Honestly, I, <clears throat> I think beyond derivatives, which, you know, has a lot of the obvious benefit. One of the coolest part about uh, PIF is um, the capability of having, you know, very, very high fidelity data, which is, you know, useful beyond just derivatives. It's um, more importantly useful for lending markets where, you know, liquidation happens on a much more, you know, massive scale and much more, you know, impactful scale. And currently, you know, uh, we've been conceptualizing and working with teams on building um, kind of like this uh, credit uh, uh, system where it basically allows for you to uh, take on, you know, margin against your entire portfolio, uh, borrow, you know, and create or simulate uh, portfolio margin, cross-margining, et cetera. And um, this is really, really exciting. Uh, basically, you know, uh, it's going to really change, uh, uh, it's going to really change the game for um, how, you know, the, the credit system is going to work within DeFi. And very rarely you get to see, you know, like a strong uh, disruption like this. Yeah, totally. And, and and for the pith guys, kind of, you know, I would love to hear from your perspective how you guys imagine this space. You know, maybe we end this end this space with a hot take, but you know, where do you guys see pith data and and this DeFi segment specifically two three years from today? Um, and how do you see kind of these real world assets really taking off um, within the space? Uh, you know, specific to DeFi itself. Would love to kind of hear some thoughts here as as we close out on you know, what you guys are most looking forward to, both on the Pith side as well as maybe even a personal side? I think personally, and somehow relates to Pith, I'm very much looking forward to the kickstart of the, let's say, full decentralization of the Pith network. Yeah. Governance, staking, rewards. Like, very much, like, seeing, let's say, DeFi application, whether it be an app, a blockchain, or an infra provider, to actually become like very much decentralized, but also a profitable business. Like it's, we have like, I think I saw like DeFi Llama has like 2.5K protocols registered. How many of those are both decentralized and good businesses? And like this focus around kind of revenue accrual has been like, it's been a topic for years, but really in the past two years, and we see it in the bear market, like when you see an application like Perpetual Protocol have found an amazing like market fit as FTX went bust. And now you see like protocol, the DeFi protocols making like great money, being great businesses. So that's really the thing that excites me both for all DeFi, but especially for PEF, like overall becoming some kind of financial data marketplace where you own data, you can come up, contribute data and get rewarded for it. So very much enabling 
removing the middleman. That's very much the centralized entity, the, let's say, the authorized issuer, removing the kind of the govern, governing bodies is like always something like I like to work on. Yeah, nice. So hot take, totally actually, I'll, I'll, I'll add one hot take, um, and it might be wrong. <laughs> so please contradict me, uh, but I, I don't think any, surely I might be wrong uh, thinking about it. But one thing I'm very excited for is to have like the PIF Oracle, the PIF network, have all its powers given back to like its governance. So that like it really becomes um, like decentralized. And so far we've seen it very little in the Oracle space. Um, I'm not even sure we've seen it once. So this is pretty exciting. And I think it's something we will be proud of when it happens. Oh, here's like a alpha out there. Um, Project X will be using a PIF price page for um, a reference point and signal input for on-chain strategies. Nice. And let me raise up, uh, raise that with another alpha. The PP price feed <laughs> should come up live today. We have enough publisher. We're running some tests. And so like come check the piece website in a couple hours and you might see PP live. So when PP perp on Alex. When, sir, when? On it, on it. <laughs> Oh, by the way, like anybody can just go on PIS website and um, just see, and it's pretty entertaining. Well, maybe not entertaining for everybody, but like um, if you go on the PIS website, you can just keep seeing publishers uh, flinkering. And at one point, um, there will be enough publishers and the price will just be turned live. Um, maybe sometimes we should do like a live tweeting on, on Pepe um, status. Nice. Well, I know our whole entire community um, will we'll also be locked in to, to see any important updates out of both Pith and, and Helix. So, you know, with that, guys, I would love to wrap things up here. Um, it has been an absolute pleasure uh, to host this kind of AMA discussing cross-chain data uh, with Mark and Ray from the Pith side and, and have Eric, our co-founder of Injective here as well. Um, so it seems like we got a lot of alpha there at the end. Um, again, this is a recorded session um, that will be hosted on a bunch of different you know, venues after this. Uh, definitely stay tuned to both the, the Pith and Injective Twitters uh, to see kind of a lot of the upcoming updates uh, in the near future. And again, I just want to give a huge thank you to both Mark and Ray for joining us today um, and looking forward to all these incredible collaborations continuing in the future between both Injective and Pith. Again. Thanks for your guys' time. Thank you so much for having us, sir. Take care, guys. Take care. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Cross-Chain Data with Pith and Injective, recorded on Tuesday, May 9th, 2023. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. If you want to keep listening, head on over to Terraspaces.org slash donate and show some support now. And did you know, if you go to InjectiveSpaces.com, you'll find all the Injective Spaces there. Cool. There's this principle in, like, Darwin.
There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, like just inevitably it kind of starts to happen. There's this principle in like Taoism where it's like the more you fight something, the more like the opposite of what you want, inevitably it kind of starts to happen. Chirping on the bird app, listening to nerds slap, wondering why the fuck my timeline's so cursed. It's like everybody's holding heavy bags in Web3. That's why they can't fly, they just drowning in the bird bath, fishing for some dry powder. Watch how we ignite the tower, blowing up their bank accounts, forgetting how to fight the power. Y'all don't even realize how deep this shit goes. They preach an open sauce, but don't listen to the code, and now it's mutiny, community uprise. There's no more humility, futility, plus size. Motherfuckers leaking from the wrench down to the bare metal. Which side the line you bleeding out on when the dust settles? Motherfucking west side shit, needle and noose. Sticking with my armory, yam, beta, and bruise. Repping psychedelic artistry, believing the truth. Like these motherfuckers even need a reason to sue? GM fam. Really? Worth all the effort? Is it really worth all the fighting? Is it really worth all the drama? And the answer, I think, is a clear no. We started using Zoom, now we finna zoom out Teaching all these plebidites what this game's really all about Little baby bitches when they choose to have fits All you're left with is kibble when you lose all them bits And that kibble's just sawdust, this shit is all rust Not a great look, you're what we call all nuts And I for one did not see that coming Cracking open books, yo, that's a lot of money Meanwhile over here rewiring features More critical thinking, less knee jerk More evolution, less shit Preachers pretending to be teachers Y'all just predatory leeches I mean please, just look at the track record A bunch of VC rap fucks Sucking up the cheddar, the recipe is two steps Rinse and repeat Now we all in your butts And we bring in receipts GM fam, have a seat If you're listening to this, my, my plea to you You would be like, don't have, don't, don't have to take a side on it Just say like, is it really, is it really worth this war of attrition? It might cost, it might cost us, us a lot more than, than what can be gained game. by like fighting this to the better end. And sometimes it's better to just like move on. Ten spaces.